0: Dear Lord God, we thank you and praise you for this season—a season of Advent, a season of Christmas coming upon us—and all of the preparations to celebrate this season. Thank you, Lord, for um, all of the ways that you've given us to celebrate your birth. But Lord, as we look at the things that lie ahead of us, uh, looking down the pipeline to the next few weeks, we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed by the checklists the purchasing, the arranging, the cleaning, the decorating, the baking. So I ask now, Lord Jesus, would you be present in our midst, and would you bring us your peace, that peace that passes all understanding? Would you root us and ground us in your love um, so that whatever else we do in this season, we might know that first and foremost, and we might be able to throw away and not do the things Um, that we're not called to do, that you would not have us do, that are um, less important than simply um, putting you first and being with you. So we ask this um, in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I better finish this, because if I don't finish it now, I don't have anywhere to put it, is what I realized. Well... I had this realization about 10 years ago, if you can believe it, I was an adult 10 years ago. I know I look, I thankfully, some people have said that I look younger than I am and if I do it's because my mother looks younger than she is. Um, once someone in our diocese in Pittsburgh that I grew up in, I was back there for seminary and uh, they said, oh, you're the daughter of Janet Layton," and I said, yes, yes, I am. And they said, oh, she who does not age. Um, <laughs> I better not say that because then I'll start to automatically get lines. But I had this realization 10 years ago when I was about 25 that as a single woman, I found myself not taking care of myself, not doing the things around the house or the things um, for myself that would really benefit me. I was neglecting taking care of myself in part out of, rebe- out of anger to God because I didn't have what I really wanted. I, I wasn't married. I didn't have children I was 25 that's what I most wanted and so I thought well in passivity I just didn't do things that were good for me and and the Lord convicted me about that because he showed me well why would you not do this good thing for yourself if you would not hesitate to do it for someone in your life that you loved if I had a family my house would be tip top that's what I thought my house would be tip top I'd have a wonderful home-cooked meal every night. I thought I would do these things for people that I loved, but I would not do them for myself. And, um, and the Lord convicted me in, about that and said, No, let me motivate you to take care of you the way you would take care of someone that you love, because I love you, and I want you to be taken care of. So that was really changed my heart, that the Lord loved me so much that he would want me to do things for me that I would do lovingly for someone else. So that sort of changed a little bit of my mindset. Suddenly, I wasn't as um, couch-driven. I was more motivated to do things that would help me. And one of the things, so that's been sort of my mindset for these last ten years. And it's true if you're, it's true for you too. You don't have to be single to have this mindset where you neglect yourself in order to take care of other people, or where you neglect yourself because you say, well, it's not worth going to all that work just for me. Whether you are unmarried, widowed, divorced or married, it's good to do things for ourselves because the Lord loves us. So one of those small or big things that I've found that I treat myself to um, is to um, prayerfully allow myself some purchases that, um, <laughs> they're not big ones, but I really pray through them. I'm all about praying while you shop, and when I'm shopping, <laughs> When I'm shopping for my 10 nieces and nephews, I guarantee you I'm praying because I think I have no idea what they want. I don't even remember how old they are. But, um, but I was praying after Thanksgiving. I was in a discount department store and I saw a Christmas tree on sale there. And I've never had a Christmas tree of my own. All these years as an adult, I was able to just go to my parents' house for Christmas and no longer enjoy their Christmas tree. But last year, this fell into this this category of doing things for myself that I would do for someone I love. I would decorate a tree for someone I love. So I thought, okay, I'm going to buy myself a Christmas tree there it was it was a good price it was beautiful some of them are really ugly this was a really beautiful one and one of the real clinchers for me was that the lights were already strung on it and I, <laughs> sold so um for so i ended up buying this christmas tree i bought it i took it home i set it up and i noticed i happened to notice that in the struggle to set it up all of the fake pine needles fell everywhere. It shed almost as much as a real live Christmas tree. But that was all right. The lights were already on it. And I wouldn't have to wrangle lights onto it. That's what I remembered about my mother setting up our Christmas tree as a child. Was We had to stay steer clear. My father would set the tree up, but then she would take out all of the strings of light and lay them out, all of the little lights, and connect them. She was the, li- the family electrician. Um, And so I knew I didn't want to do that. So it was really nice to have all the lights on it. But this new tree was small. That's okay. It had the right size to be able to fit all of my ornaments on it because I don't have that many ornaments, and I didn't want to go out and buy ornaments just for the sake of dressing the tree. Every ornament that fits on my tree has a story behind it, and the tree perfectly fits all of them. So the tree was great. There was just one problem. The tree is dead. Right? It's an art- artificial tree. We had always had live trees. My parents always got a live tree, but I knew I couldn't wrangle a live tree into my house. It would be too big for me and I didn't want to have to take care of it. Well, this tree was dead and I noticed it especially because there was no beautiful pine smell to it. It's dead. But last year, what I did, I went out and I got a pine candle that's very realistic, and that helped me. (laughs) And this year, I bought a live wreath, so it's all good. But this brings me to my first point. Yes, there is a point behind all of this, and that is that Christmas trees are alive. And more than that, Christmas trees are evergreen. The famous ode to the Christmas tree, O Tannenbaum, knows this truth. O Christmas tree, O Christmas tree, thy leaves are so unchanging, not only green when summer's here, but also when it's cold and drear. One of our favorite symbols for Christmas is this tree that is green throughout all four seasons. It is a tree of life. The Christmas tree is a symbol of perpetual life, untainted, unfazed by death. And the smell of an evergreen Christmas tree, to me, it's the aroma of life. In the Bible, there's a tree like this. The tree of life was found in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. It's the lesser-known tree because it's not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, the tree, the bad tree, that Adam and Eve eat the fruit from, even though they're not supposed to. From the beginning of their creation, God had allowed Adam and Eve to eat the fruit off of the tree of life. The fruit of the tree of life can only be eaten by those who are sinless. So when Adam and Eve fell into sin one of the consequences is that they are exiled from Eden and the entrance back into the garden is guarded by an angel with a flaming sword. This seems harsh but it is a mercy. God in his mercy will not allow Adam and Eve to live on perpetually in their broken state of sin and rebellion. He will not allow there to be eternal destruction and death in his good creation. This is the beginning of a sign of redemption. It would be a terrible existence, wouldn't it, to live on perpetually in rebellion and disobedience. So no, the way back to the tree of life is barred from Adam and from Eve but the smell of our Christmas tree is the smell of the tree of life is what I would suggest secondly what about the fruit? Well, we're not really sure how evergreen trees came to be a part of our Christmas tradition, but we know for sure that they probably came into play in Germany in the 16th century. One legend of their origin says that they came about because of the mystery plays that went on in the great churches and cathedrals of Europe. Those mystery plays were a way for an illiterate people to learn the stories of the Bible, to learn the stories of salvation. And so there would be in front of the church or even into the church a play that depicted any number of Bible stories. And of course, there was a play that depicted the fall of Adam and Eve from their sinless state into sin in Eden. Those plays were called paradise plays. And the only prop in those plays was a tree. And that tree simultaneously was meant to symbolize both the tree of life in the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree that was forbidden. And in these paradise plays, they ended up shutting them down in the 16th century. They'd been going on for centuries. They ended up shutting them down in Germany. And so we think that what happened was that those paradise trees that had come to be a part of the people's understanding of their Salvation history got brought, taken out of the public sector, got brought into people's homes. People started to bring the tree into their home. And so on this tree, in people's homes, they placed apples to signify the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They also put other things on the tree to symbolize the fruit from the tree of life that was forbidden for a time, but that God would bring back to us, bring us back to the tree of life through Jesus. There's this hope and this promise. And so we don't use apples today on our Christmas trees, do we? Or maybe you, actually my mother has a whole set of little bright red shiny apples that are not edible but are fake, but that she puts on her Christmas tree. I'll have to remind her of this. But we have those balls. Glass balls, gold balls, those are meant to remind us of the apples, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What fruit is hanging on your tree at home? I haven't put my tree up yet, but I'm sure you all have. What fruit is hanging on your That's Okay. What fruit is hanging on your tree at home and what is the significance of that fruit? Well, Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and they ended up truly knowing and experiencing evil. Their sinful rebellion against God resulted in their death and brought death to all creation. And for us too, our sinful passions bear fruit for death. But there is hope. Though God has banned us from Eden, just like he banned Adam and Eve, God has provided a different way to the tree of life, no longer in Eden, but now in Calvary. And at the end of all time, the tree of life is there in the new Jerusalem. Life and death are both present at the tree of Calvary. The cross of Jesus is called a tree of all throughout scripture, by both St. Peter and St. Paul. And um, they see it in their sermons. You hear it in their sermons in the book of Acts, as well as in their letters. Peter writes, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That tree's fruit, the cross is fruit, is offered freely to undeserving sinners. I need that fruit. You need that fruit. The fruit of the cross is our forgiveness and this fruit brings other fruits too. The fruit of healing, the fruit of transformation at times and in places in this life and in completion fully in the next life. The way to eternal life is open to us because upon our death and the return of Jesus, we will no longer be sinful. Our robes will have been washed white in the blood of the Lamb and we will be with Jesus eternally in the New Jerusalem. St. John saw in a vision of the New Jerusalem in Revelation 22, he saw the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. What tree is that? It's the tree of life from Eden, whose way is no longer barred to sinners. Because sinners have been washed because of the fruit of that tree of Calvary. The tree of life is there, evergreen, yielding fruit every month of the year. What a tree. I want that tree in my backyard. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. Those evergreen leaves all year round bring healing. Forgiveness and healing have come to us through Jesus, and we partake of the fruit of the tree of Calvary. Instead of willfully plucking the fruit like Adam and Eve, in our own self-made merit, on our own strength because of our own choice, Jesus says to us instead, the way he said to his first disciples the night before his death, he says, take and eat this in remembrance of me he offers it to us freely he invites us to the table he invites us to the tree to eat the fruit of his own labor the fruit of his own merit and so we take and eat now at God's invitation not against his prohibition we are welcome to eat because of Jesus' saving action on our behalf and our Christmas tree can remind us of this fruit because of the beautiful fruit hanging on our trees hanging on the branches of our Christmas tree we are reminded of the fruit of forgiveness and life given so graciously to us through Jesus Christ that we smell the aroma of life and we take and eat the fruit finally my last point is that the Christmas tree is a vision breaking through the darkness. Last year, even though my tree was so small and dead, it brought me so much joy. <laughs> As the candle. The candle made it alive. Um, one of my favorite things to do at the end of a long day was to come home, and of course, it might have been a long day ending at 4 o'clock, because you know you come home at 4 o'clock and it's dark already. Well, I would plug in the tree before I turned on any of the other lights in my house. And I would find such peace and rest sitting there in the darkness, taking in the twinkling lights, watching the darkness, too. The last thing before I went went to bed was I would turn off all of the other lights. So it was dark, and all I had was the Christmas tree. And it would minister to me bringing me peace and joy at the end of the day. It wouldn't, the Lord would, but he used it to minister to me. He used it to remind me of the peace on earth that comes through Jesus' birth. Um, He used it to remind me of the tidings of great joy, that good news, the proclamation that a Savior is born. And so I say with O Tannenbaum, O Christmas tree, O Christmas tree, thy candles shine so brightly from base to summit gay and bright, there's only splendor for the sight. Peace, joy, and welcome my mother, um, against my better judgment, because I was the safety child, I was the child concerned about safety, she would leave it. The- <laughs> we have actually, we have rankings in our family. There's a captain safety, there's general safety. I think I was major safety, whatever. I, I was concerned about safety of the four of us children when I was a child. And she would leave the Christmas tree plugged in when we went over to church for Christmas Eve services, and I got very nervous about this because I knew that that's how you start a fire. You leave the Christmas tree on. I can't imagine what it was like when they had candles. Oh, 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 thank goodness. Thank goodness that's not what we have. Uh, anyway, the Christmas tree, she would leave it lit, and of course, you might know my dad's a minister as well, so we lived in the rectory. So it was just a short walk over to the church, and we would, we would spend the evening over at the church, just like, so it's not, not unusual for me today, but she would Turn on um, the Christmas tree. She would leave it lit. She would also leave lit all of the candles that she placed every year. Each window got an electric candle. Such a beautiful sight. Each can- window got an electric candle. Um, and so we would leave, go and worship. And when we came back in the middle of the night, we would walk home in the cold, dark, And it was so comforting to look out and see those candles and to see the tree waiting for us, welcoming us home, bidding us to be of good cheer, brightening our spirits. The lights on our tree, they harken back. They were intended in the first trees to hark back to the star that guided the three Magi to the place where Jesus was born. They shine through the darkness to guide us home. Our way back home to God is sure and certain. Jesus has made this way for us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Because of his tree of love, the cross, God welcomes us back into his presence. He beckons us to come in out of the cold, out of the dark. There's no coincidence that we celebrate the birth of Jesus at the darkest time of the year. We need, especially in these short days, to remember the reason for the hope that we have and the visions of our Christmas trees, especially when they light up in the darkness of night, reminds us of the hope that we have in Christ, that true peace does not come in the absence of conflict, but very often in the midst of it. True joy often radiates brighter as it's seen through the clouds of sorrow and suffering. O Christmas tree, O Christmas tree, much pleasure canst thou give me. God has welcomed us back into his presence. And I wonder if it's possible this year, too, that our trees, as we take in the aroma of life, as we taste the fruit of the cross and the fruit of the tree of life, as we um, take in the vision of the light shining in the darkness, our trees shining through the darkness. As you light your tree, I wonder, is it possible um, during this time of year that the Lord might be calling you to welcome someone back into your life who has hurt you or who has wronged you? I think um, Christmas is when I notice most who is not there. Um, thankfully, in my family, the grudges are smaller than um, in, in my nuclear family. But in my extended family, there are some aunts who are missing from the table. There are some aunts who would not welcome us into their home, and we would not um, welcome them into our home. And I wonder if lighting the tree could be like a beacon, a peace offering, inviting back into our lives people who have wronged us, because we've received forgiveness, we are free by the power of the Holy Spirit to turn around and offer it to people even when they're undeserving. That's the problem. Well, she hasn't done thus and such to um, make her way back to me, God has paved the way for us through his son back into relationship with him. And he gives us the freedom to turn on the lights and welcome back into our lives even those who might have hurt us as thanksgiving for the forgiveness that we've received. Your tree, your tree at home, represents the tree of life, the tree that once bore on it God's own sorrow and suffering. Your Christmas tree is a tangible reminder of the aroma of eternal life, the fruit of the work of Christ on our behalf, and the vision of hope and welcome that we have in Him. Take it in. It doesn't matter if you finish that last thing on your list. Take it in. Smell the evergreen. Taste the fruit. See the glory of the vision. O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum, how richly God has decked thee. <coughs> and in the words of St. John, we have seen His glory the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, glory, sort of like a Christmas tree, but even better. We have seen his glory, glory as of an only son sent from the Father. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being born to us in Bethlehem, for coming down Um, even out of your great power as the son of god shedding your great power so that you might redeem us and bring us back into relationship with the father thank you for your tree the tree of your cross and for the fruit that your tree bears on our behalf give us great courage to take again and eat this christmas time to receive and to light our trees in thanksgiving and in welcome Uh, thank you lord Give us your peace. Give us great joy. Give us restoration through Jesus. Amen. Amen.